Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Alicia Shanice Reviews. I am your host Shanice and tonight's episode is Narcos Mexico episode 7 and 8. So I am not going to hold you guys long tonight. I'll try to brush through the recap and discussion and don't forget you can follow me on my social media platforms. IG Alicia Shanice Facebook, Alicia Shanice, and follow my dope playlist if you had a good Spotify app. You can download it for free where you can catch the podcast and listen to my playlists. They are all titled Shanice Loves 90s R&B, Shanice Loves 90s Hip Hop. Um, every genre is on there from the 90s to the 2000s, from the old school, from the oldies to the Motown area era. So if you love music, check out my playlist. Um, don't forget, tune in tomorrow and we are going to be doing episode 9 and 10. And the following day, we will be doing the documentaries. Don't forget to tune into them. And if you just need a reminder, the first one we are going to recap is The Last Narc. It is on Amazon Prime. Please check that out. I promise you, if you are enjoying my Narcos uh, Mexico, that breaks down so much. And I want to come and discuss that. And then also it is like a, um, a TV series, but it's on Hulu. It's called Narcos. You go to season one. It's episode three. And that's covering the Guadalajara cartel. And that's breaking down everything that we've been talking about, giving us the true facts. So I want to talk about that, too. So if you've been joining the Narcos, check into that. And also the Pablo ones are on there, too, but we, you know, discussed Colombia. And even though we didn't do, um, <clears throat> excuse me, even though we didn't do the breakdowns all the way of um, Colombia, we can discuss the the um, documentaries on that because I would love to get into that as well. And we can discuss the Cali Cartel documentary as well because I did skip season three um, of Narcos Colombia. I really just wasn't into the Cali Cartel, but we can discuss the documentaries. That would be amazing. I, I just didn't think season three was that good. But on that note, I'm not going to hold you guys into the um, too long tonight because I already uploaded Power. That is up now. So check out my Power recap of episode four. And let's get into the show. Her name is Shanice, and she's the one. Her name is Shanice, and she's the one. And before we get started, I do just want to give a quick shout out to you guys, the listeners, um, for checking out my content, checking out my, my platform. The numbers are growing. We're, we're doing good things. And it's, it's such in a short time frame. I'm so humbled by this and just want to just really thank you. And, you know, I appreciate your support. That's why I said if you do follow me on my social medias and you know, I, I promise you, I won't act funny. Inbox me and just let me know. Give me your feedback because I see that, you know, the numbers are doing pretty good. And I just want to say thank you so much for your support. And, you know, I, I pray and plan just to get better. And I hope you guys are enjoying. So episode seven is titled Jefe de Jefes. And this was between now, seven and 10, that's when they just bring you in. We really get drawn in into 
Kiki and his character. Like this story, when I tell you it was emotional for me, because even though I love Pablo's, the Columbia story, this story just breaks my heart on how everything went down because there was so many dirty politics involved with this on both parts. You can look at it from the United States and you can look at it from Mexico, like with the dirty politics over there. And just on how I felt like um, with him being a DEA agent, they failed him as well. Like it was just very, very sad. And this is actually what woke up the DEA of what it has become today. Um, so episode seven, it opens up and we see, um, uh, they don't, we at first, if you see the first time watching it, we don't know who the young man is, but it's Gilberto, Don Nito's son. And he's with like his big brother slash bodyguard. And they're walking out looking like, um, a function that was going on. I don't know if it was like a fight or a game. Um, but they're walking out. And they're talking about it and they're having them a good time. And when they're walking out, he sees his brand new car and it's a guy like pissing on the car. So he like, hey, mother, you know, get off my car. And when he goes to him and, you know, he goes over there kind of tough, the guys just get to beating his like just tearing him up out of nowhere. So we see the bodyguard kind of stumbles and Gilberto was like shoot him do something and he does try to protect him and then when he goes to shoot the man he shoots Gilberto by accident and everybody takes off and you know he should have stayed there and explained the case but he took off and that made it look worse and brought his own fate to what it became of how he just left him there to die on a dog like like on a, you know like a dog in the street it was ridiculous so then it goes straight to the next scene at the morgue and we see Don Nito um identifying his son like that's my son and that's when we found out that it was Don Nito's son and then we have the opening as well and then it goes into the first scene after that and we see um, how they're showing how before it became like a narco town before the Sinaloa cartel moved up that way, we're seeing that Guadalajara was a beautiful tourist town. Like people used to go there for like they had special tequila, they had delicious food. It was like a tourist town. So it was beautiful and everybody just used to go there just to visit on how just beautiful the country was and the city was and you know everything that they had to offer. And then we see that they show us two tourist guys, you know, visiting from the United States and they're just um he was the youngest inspiring writer and these are based off two real people so you know how we always say everything like a lot of it is dramatized but most of it is true events this um was definitely true these were two men one of them was a young writer the other one had he think he was like a a young dentist so these were just two men over there visiting the country and we see them walking around and then we go straight to back to the U.S. and we get to San Diego and we see Mika has traveled home and she's trying to purchase a new home because they know that they're about to um, transfer Kiki back to the States. So she's looking around and, you know, purchasing a new home. And she's excited about that. By They've been going through so much over there in Guadalajara and how frustrated Kiki's been and everything. So after that, we get to the next scene and we see that Kiki and the other agents, they're in the office and they're just going through paperwork. They're just frustrated because all the good work that they were doing, I mean, you know, no matter how you want to look at it, they were over there to do their job and that's what they were doing. They were doing their job and they're just frustrated because every time they're, they're over there working for the government and every time they bring hard evidence, it gets stumped on and it just feels like, you know, what am I over here for? So you can feel their frustration. 
So we get to the next scene and we see um, Felix um, with him bringing in the cocaine. This was bringing in way more money for the cartel. Um, it was they weren't bringing they were still doing the weed, but the cocaine just took over the business. So it was a better product. They were bringing in way more like the thousands of pounds of weed that they were um, transferring over the border. This didn't have shit on what they had with the cocaine. It was totally different. It did not even compare. This made them like um, the FedEx of blow. Like that's crazy. But it was like bad news for Ralpha in the show. This didn't go down like this. And I'll get more into that when we get into the documentary. Ralpha was very much involved in the cocaine business as well it wasn't like he was just hurting off the weed yeah the weed you know he did get that going but um he was very heavily involved with the car um with actually the colombian um not the colombian with actually the medellin cartel so it wasn't just like oh he just had his weed um plantation and that was all that totally was false but it just shows you the frustration he had and you know it just kind of shook up everything um, we see with money being brought in extra, extra Felix is now having to pay for the Mexico cities who was way bigger than the DFS. They're their bosses. So he's having to pay them out of pocket. So we see the head of the DFS, the Commandante Nava, he's starting to get frustrated because remember he was like the head Nacho in charge. And then with them switching over to cocaine, that switched up everything. We even see Isabel, she's getting played. She's um Felix walks into his office and he sees her sitting in there and he like, oh, I was going to call you. And she's like, I just left Tijuana. The brothers didn't know nothing about my 20 percent. And he like, oh, it takes time. And, you know, brushing her off. But if it wasn't for Isabella, he wouldn't even be in a cocaine business like he should have gave her what she asked for. It was some way he could have worked it that out. Of course, this was very much dramatized as well, but we're breaking down the show. And when we get to doing the documentaries, we'll get to talking about the real characters. But I just want to let, let you guys know, Isabel was basically was based off a true character. A different name, of course, but they look just alike when I tell you. And um, this was very dramatized out she walks out of the office frustrated like i just want what i was promised because she like you told me all i had to do was take care of falcon and he like but you didn't i did and in actuality she had already took care of falcon but he just went on and he didn't give her time to but him being a businessman sometimes you got to take care of stuff for yourself so he went on and he had the army take him out falcon had to be handled so when she walks out she runs into tony and she's like tony Oh, you got a new master now. He like, yeah, that's right. Because remember, Tony was Falcon right-hand bodyguard. And now he's working for Felix Miguel. So after that, Miguel, um, he goes to visit um, Don Nito just to check on him. And to me, he was just being such a selfish asshole at this point. Because you're going over there to comfort Don Nito. And all you say is, how are you doing? And then he gets to talking straight about business. So that just shows you all... Um, Miguel Felix thought about was himself. Uh, that part pissed me off. We go to the next scene and it's the club scene and we see Rafa. He is there. He is high. He is drunk. He having him a good time. And he sees Sophie, the love of his life on the dance floor. So he runs down there to kiss her. She kind of pushes off of him. Here comes Amato. So you can kind of see that Amato and Sophia had some type of thing going on. Um, they kind of do a little shuffle and shuffle. 
uh rafa tells sophia to shut the fuck up because <laughs> she like rafa we're just dancing and then Milo's kind of smug like i didn't know uh y'all was still talking but he you know kind of throws like some deep jabs at rafa rafa goes back upstairs and he gets to shooting up the club and him and Amato just gives each, gives each other a deep stare. So we see Rafa Carroll, he just, he was no joke. He was literally no joke. I can't wait to talk about the documentary to tell you guys how much it's rumored and documented that he was no joke. He, the, the, the way how they portrayed him in Narcos was crazy. But the stuff that they have, you know, documented is 20 times worse. We go to Kiki's house, and it's him and little Kiko there, and he's cooking dinner. He's, like, frustrated, but trying to cook dinner, he's burning it up, but he gets, like, an eerie feeling. He goes outside, so you can tell somebody was watching him from his house. We go to the next scene, and we get to Miguel, Felix, and Rafa. They're arguing, and, you know, he's telling Rafa, you got to chill out. You, you, you fucking up. And the stuff about the club that was too much. You need to chill because we all partners. And no matter how you feel about Amato, the Lord of Skies, which Amato, he will be all in season three. The new season three that's premiering, that's gonna be about him. Um, he's basically letting them know, like, no matter how you feel about Amato, you can't do anything to him because that is Don Nito's nephew. So basically, Rafa tells him, like, if you want you want him to be safe get rid of him or I will and he knows Rafa will get rid of him but Miguel Felix is going to do what Miguel Felix wants to do he is the godfather we go to the next scene and we see the two tourists they're sitting out eating dinner we see the seat the same two men and then we see Kiki and um, little um, Kiko sitting next to him and then he looks across the street and he sees Felix and his blood just boils and he goes across the street and Felix kind of just looks at him like he's a nobody and skirts off like he's like beneath him um that was totally dramatized out I think they did that to just show us the eagerness of Kiki Camarino had of the spirit of just wanting to do his job and take him down but I kind of didn't like the way that they did it because it kind of made it look like Kiki was just asking for you know, whatever. And it wasn't like that. He was always undercover. So he was never just blowing his case, especially with his son being there. So I personally didn't like the scene. Of course, it's good for television. But just by knowing that this was a real person and the devastating things that happened to him, I didn't appreciate that as just watching it and just from being all into this and doing all my research and checking everything out. I just felt like, the first time I watched it, I'm like, okay. But as you dig more into everything that happened, it's just kind of like really messed up because it make it, it makes it look like he just went out of his way to ask for trouble when he wasn't. He was always undercover and very discreet with everything he did. So Kiki goes to see Jamie out of frustration and just says, you know, we need they need to talk. But it cuts to the next scene. And then we see Felix going in the house. He's asking Maria where the kid's at. She's letting them know, I sent my kids to Sinaloa and we're leaving. So he kind of chases her upstairs. He, you know, end up pleading his case. And she accuses him of sleeping with Isabella. And he's like, Isabella is like my niece. So she was like, well, what about the woman at the gallery? She's pregnant, you asshole. So they kind of go upstairs. They end up kind of making up. And she's like, if you want to fix this, like you keep saying, come back home with me. You you got the cocaine running good. You got the Colombians in the fields over there in Colombia. You can come back to Sinaloa and let the business run for itself. So Felix agrees, but not agrees at the same time. He kind of like 
misleads her like he's going to come back home. We go and we see Kiki and Jamie and they're meeting the pilot, which is very sad if you know what's coming. And they go and they talk to the pilot and they're like, let's go out for some beer. Then we get to the next scene and we see Miguel Felix sitting at a sitting at a restaurant and he's just like sitting there in deep thought. And then out of nowhere, you just see a bird fly on the wall and die down. Like maybe I don't know what happened with that. It was just like a weird, eerie feeling like he just up and got an epiphany. He calls and plans a meeting for the plaza. So you have everybody there and Nava, he's pissed off, but he's, he's smiling because he's thinking like, okay, now he's ready to come to his senses and give me my raise and pay me my money. Isabella is smiling because she's thinking, because he's talking about changes and She's thinking she's going to get 20% of Tijuana. Rafa is smiling because he thinks that he's going to get rid of Amato. But Felix Miguel being Felix Miguel, what does he do? He's hands over and he gives Amato a race, basically, and put him as an underboss right under uh, Pablo Acosta. And Pablo Acosta is a very real person. Um, we'll get into that when we break down the documentaries. Um, Pablo Acosta's character, for the, for the most part, is pretty much based on how he really was. We see that um, Tijuana stays the same and goes to the Felix brothers, who in actuality is Miguel Felix's blood nephews in real life. Um, we see nothing's really changing. Basically, he just kind of moved a couple people up who he thought should be moved up. And Rafa is pissed. Isabel blood is boiling as, and if I felt for anybody, it would be her. If it wasn't for Isabel and I'm talking about the series, I'm not talking about the, um, real characters. We'll get to that. But in the series if anybody should have been pissed it should have been rafa too because this was his business as well and also isabel um commandante nava it is what it is you know you playing dirty all the way around and you can see pablo acosto is not feeling this and miguel basically like it is what it is. So we go to Kiki and Mika's home, and it's 4.45 in the morning. Alarms goes off. Kiki's in there making coffee. Mika walks out like, what are you up to? And he like, oh, I just got something I got to take care of. You can tell she's worried, and she knows it's nothing good. So he leaves, and we see that he meets up with the pilot. We see other pilots. They kind of see him. They're like, what are you doing here this late? He like, I'm just working overtime. But in actuality, him and Kiki are flying over Rafa's field. And they're taking pictures, getting all the evidence in the middle of the, um, like, you know, before day. Donito and Sammy, because, you know, now Sammy the cop, he is working for as a bodyguard and a right-hand man for Donito. And Sammy is based off a real character. And that's also, if you want to know more about that, please check out the documentary. That's That one is in The Last Narc, and you'll see kind of how his character is portrayed off of. They go visit the guy who murdered Gilberto, Donito's son. And at first, he's acting like he's going to have mercy on him. The guy is very apologetic. He is crying. Donito kind of tells him a story about a guy, a tale that happened in Sinaloa and, you know, what happened with that. And he walks out and he's like, Gilberto would want me to forgive you. But when he gets to the car, he tells Sammy, Gilberto would have wanted me to do that. But there's no way in hell I'm going to let the guy who murdered my son 
walk free. So he tells Sammy to go in the house and Sammy goes in and kills the bodyguard. Um, at the plaza meeting also, he also gave Hector Palma Sinaloa. Hector Palma, pay attention to him. You're not going to see too much more of him, but in season two, it's going to be a lot to come. So I forgot to mention that Hector Palma, he got over the Sinaloa area. So he's under like Cuchiloco and who we all know, the famous, um, I can't even think of his name right now. I just had a brain freeze. El Chapo. <laughs> so we see a young, uh, young, eager El Chapo. He's going to be under Hector, Hector Palma. So we know just by mentioning El Chapo, we need to pay attention to Hector Palma. And we'll get more into that in the season two. We go to the next scene and we see Amado. He's under the guidance of Acosto and Jorez. And th they kind of. Pablo Acosto is not feeling this. You know, he, he's not. Uh, we see Isabel and Miguel Felix, they kind of have words. And that's when she gets to see another side of him because he kind of like grabs her arm and, you know, kind of strong arm her a little bit like, you, you're you going to take what I tell you to take. And she is pissed. She just walks out of there so pissed. And I don't blame her. Like, if it wasn't for Isabel, this man wouldn't even made it past that meeting with not only the connect in Mexico to get to the uh, Cali cartel, but even just say if he would have, you know, maneuvered his way in there, the Cali cartel wouldn't have did that move in the series without Isabel. Um, Kiki, they kind of, him, him and Jamie, they go and they meet with Ed, the asshole who works for the embassy, and they bring all the proof from the evidence they found from the flyover, and they are pissed. They don't want to do their job. They're like, why did you even bring me this? So after they kick Kiki out the office, they're like, what are we supposed to do with all this? Because it's like, they just had them over there, and when they actually did their job, they didn't even want the evidence. So when uh, Jamie or Jaime, uh, Jaime comes out, he lets them know, like, we're going to burn it down, but it's going to be about two weeks. So Kiki tells Mika, he goes home and tells Mika, you know, everything went good, but I want to stay. Mika is pissed. She's ready to go home. And she's like, when is it enough, Kiki? You did good. Um, again, I personally didn't like that part because as we know of what happened to him, it just made it look like he was overly eager. And I just, from everything that I've read, documentaries or listen, it just didn't go down like that. So it's like I said, it's good for television and dramatization, dramatization, but by how everything happened to him and how sad and devastating it was, I didn't like how they made him over eager and it just didn't happen that way. Um, after that, Miguel goes home and he, Maria is happy. She's like, I'm ready to go home. And she's thinking he's coming home ready to cooperate. But he basically tells her like, you're right, Maria, I've changed. I don't need you anymore. You'll be fine. This is my home now. And he kind of leaves his marriage, you know, like it's, it was just really sad because Maria, you know, it just shows you how Miguel is pushing away everybody. If it wasn't for Maria, he wouldn't have came. She remember she was street smart. She had the game from her dad being a trafficker. He was a cop. 
um we get to the last and final scene this was a very gruesome scene very sad and also very true this is very this really did happen we see the two guys going into the restaurant and they're like oh this is gonna be awesome this food is um i heard it's good this is coochie locos new restaurant him coco and rafa they're sitting there they're eating crab legs they're getting high doing line after line and the two guys walk in they order their food and he's an artist so he's looking at like the painting and he's like oh my god this is amazing and they're so high that they're, they're thinking that they're a part of the dea all they all they see is that they're a gringo they're um white americans so they just actually think that they're dea he's like i think that that was the guy who was outside of my house just high you know and out of nowhere they just get the they have somebody close the door. They get to beating them, stabbing them, shooting them. Very, very sad. And it, it's, it's very, it makes it more sadder because it happened. And like I said, I get some stuff like with the, how the cartels, you know, move. We seen how Pablo was moving. But like this was just ridiculous. I'm just keeping it real. Um, when you like learn certain things that happen over there, it was very sad and very disheartening that somebody was just going over there to visit and went into a restaurant and just got brutally murdered um, for no reason. So they thought he was the DEA. And that was episode seven. Um, episode eight came on right after and it's titled Just Say No. It gets straight to business as soon as the opening scene comes on. We have Kiki and them. They're burning down the field, which was kind of weird because they were the only ones on. I know they were with the army. They kind of like backtracked it um, without the cops so they couldn't interfere. And they didn't have on no helmets or nothing. They was going crazy. We see uh, Rafa gets the car and he is pissed. He is going out there trying to shoot everybody he can shoot. And... You got El Chop on them. They kind of help him get out of the way. And he stands there just crying as he's seen all of his fields burning. Uh, we see the DEA. They're standing there. And the guys, Ed and the guy, the ambassador from the um, embassy, they come. And they're like, they, they just look. Like when they seen it in person and seen how big that weed plantation and wilt was and the field was, they're like, how did we let this happen? And Jaime is like, you know how we let this happen. We let it happen. So they get the win. They're all in the papers. They get the pictures. This was a very big bust. And this was the start of everything. Um, and just a, another fact that was out there. Um it was actually two fields they burned down. Rafa had more than one. They made it like it was just one. But actually the DEA, they burnt down two. And I believe that they were getting ready to do another one when they murdered Kiki Camarano. Um, so the DEA goes to meet with two investigators from the American Congress. They take all of the evidence on. They're like, good work. Then we go and we see that, oh, I missed a part in seven. Uh, Commandante Nava ends up going after the meeting too because he's pissed and talking stuff all up in Miguel Felix's face and Miguel Felix murders him in front of Azul and Azul is put in charge but Miguel Felix felt so confident to do that this is very dramatized by the way was because now he knew that um, the Mexico City was um, backing him so he knew he was going to be alright the money he was bringing in Nava could be replaced so now we see Alzu is put in charge and Amato and 
Pablo Acostos, they have, I'm going to just break down their scene. Um, Amato, he's in there talking to Miguel Felix. Like, I don't know how to handle him. He's old school. And he's like, just talk to him like you do your uncle. So he goes to Amato, um, goes to Horace, and he's talking to Pablo. And Pablo is reading to his daughter, telling her the Snow White story. So he likes some trucks went missing. He tells him about the big bus. Pablo is pissed. And he's like, you know, the guy who came to me and was so humble, I was ready to do this. But now he's worse than the big guy he was over before. Remember, um, Pablo Acosta hated his boss. Like they had, they were sworn enemies. And that's where all this stuff happened where he couldn't let that go in the first plaza meeting when they were building this um, confederation, you know. So... Amato kind of gets impressed because trucks went missing and the cocaine went missing and rather than Pablo going out killing his two men he goes to talk to him and ask him what happened and gives them a chance to prove that the trucks really did fall over in a ditch and Amato like they're setting us up he's like no what if they're not I love people more than money money will come and I'm, if, if, if they're telling the truth that means we killed two people for no apparent reason and that kind of impresses Amato and Amato like I love people too and he said I thought Miguel Felix was like that and we see kind of like a bond with them and we'll see more of that in season two because you know now he's his underboss so we go to the next scene and we kind of see Rafa is just having this big ass breakdown he is losing his damn mind ain't no way in hell I don't give a fuck how much money I was making working for Rafa I wouldn't have been I couldn't I couldn't I'm sorry <laughs> like Rafa is going crazy I feel bad for Coco like uh Coco you don't know if he about to shoot you or not he like you set me up he putting guns then he want to hug him Rafa is just having a breakdown because he's like in his mind he like I lost a fear to cocaine I lost my field to cocaine i gotta get the devil out of my system so he's become like this a big cokehead and all of, out of nowhere he just want to quit and then he going through all this stuff he just ended up having like a damn binge breakdown he having withdrawals he is just doing the most throwing up hallucinations pulling guns just the most shit ever um coco is just i feel bad for him so the dfs they go because now they know that they have a job to do and they kind of well the big governors he kind of sends his nephew as the third party to go tell miguel felix like you know what we got to do we're gonna have to get the dea agent and miguel felix already knows like this is a usda no we're not doing that so he kind of bombards his way into a meeting to meet and the governor meet with him and the governor's like okay I'm going to trust you and we're not going to touch the American. But after word gets back that Kiki and Jaime met with the American Congress, they're like, oh, no, it's getting too far now. So they get the DFS involved. The DFS go get Sammy. Sammy goes to um, over Rafa's. Rafa, he's a boss man, too. Remember, this is not just Miguel Felix's business. He gives the approval to kidnap Kiki. And... We see Kiki and Jaime out for lunch. Well, they not lunch. They went out to go get a beer just out of frustration. And here is where we found out that the American Congress said they weren't even going to do anything at that time. With all the evidence they had, they said no further investigation at this time. So they just were frustrated and it's showing that he was getting ready to leave in the show. And he like, I'm about to go have lunch with my wife. We see that he walks to his car. 
and Sammy kind of approaches him because, you know, him and Sammy had established relationship at the bar in episode one. And he like Asian Camarena and he like, yes, Sammy. And they kidnap him in broad daylight, put a bag over his head and take him to the house. And it was very sad. Um, He was really kidnapped in broad daylight by cops and members of the DFS with um people watching in broad daylight and nobody did a thing and that is so sad to me um we see don nito kind of catches on when he finds out sammy is missing he calls miguel felix miguel felix is kind of brushing a call off because he's on the phone with a model and the model is telling him how impressed he is on how he sees how pablo castles traffics the cocaine in the trucks under the watermelon he gets um he finally gets on the phone with Donito. Donito tells him, and they all run over to Rafa, and they're telling him how stupid it was. Like, Rafa, they set you up so when this all falls down, it can fall back on you. How stupid can you be? And we see Kiki Camarano in the house. And we pretty much know how the rest plays out. Uh, we'll discuss that more tomorrow when we do 9 and 10. Um, yeah, like I said, I get, it. <laughs> I, I get emotional when it gets to the last um, three episodes. Because, like I said, it, it's different when you watch Narcos and you're probably like, oh, you know. But just knowing on how this really truly happened and when you watched every documentary like I have and just know the facts and how brutal and crucial it was kind of touches you a little different, you know, um, it was very sad. Um, but that was basically episode eight. I hope you guys enjoyed my breakdown. Like I said, I could talk about narcos all day. So I'm about to make myself get off because I know we got to do nine and 10 tomorrow. And then we're going to do the documentary do documentaries. Please, guys, check out the two documentaries so you'll know like what, I what I'm talking about because they are very good. They draw you in from finish to start, um, from start to finish, no lie. So on that note, um, I've dropped two episodes for you guys today. So if you're checking out Power, check my Power episode out from earlier. And I hope you guys enjoy this as well. You guys have a blessed night. And I will holler at you guys tomorrow. And on that note, it's your girl Shanice. And I'm out.